It's My Pops Culture, starring my son, Ben, and me, his dad. Do you really have to say it like that, Dad? With our guest star, comedy legend Carol Burnett. I'm so glad we're going to spend this time together. Uh, uh, Sometimes it amazes me that we're related. Ben, guess whose autograph I got yesterday? Whose? I'm Colin Jost, the host of Weekend Update on SNL. Okay, I like that one. Oh, finally, an autograph that I got. I feel like sometimes you get these people from like the 1950s who played an extra in a a scene in a movie. Like there's never like a, it's never like, oh, here's a popular one I got recently. Well, that's a bit of a, she's throwing shade about my autograph collection. I feel like it's, it's always like, oh, you'll never guess who I got. Oh, I, I got this man, and he played nurse number three in, in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and he's the only living nurse alive now. But it's, but it, but it's important because that was the person who actually was in Cuckoo's Nest, but that's what you're missing. They I were, know, but it means nothing to me. Anyway. At like, least Colin Jost feels like, a, that's popular, it's my generation, I get it. Right, and you watch SNL, so yeah. that's a good thing. Like, what else were you watched in, in your days then? In my days, well, we used to watch variety shows, which were, see, SNL was late night variety. We used to watch variety shows like, you know, you had the Donnie Marie show. You had um, Carol Burnett show. They were variety shows. You had a singer as a guest. You had sketch comedy. You had songs. You had audience questions. That's what I grew up with. It still sounds like an SNL to me. Variety shows in my day were there was one star, mm-hmm. maybe a couple supporting players. And then it was they were in every sketch where SNL looks more like an ensemble. That's fair. Yeah, it is fair. Much fairer than you are with me about my autographs. Yeah, because I don't always care who you get. You, I know that. You, you mentioned that a lot to me. And, and, and you still keep telling me. Exactly. You're being very surly today with me. You know what surly means? Like I'm being gentlemanly, like I'm a good sir? No, oh, that's really, you're so clever. You're <laughs> so clever. You. Why don't you go become one of the um, players on SNL? You should go audition for Lauren Michaels. You're so funny. Thank you. You should do some stand-up, too, while you're at it. Okay. I feel like you take being a fan to this obsessive level, which is different than other people. I do not take being a fan to an obsessive level. I'm sure you do. No. Like, look around us. Look at the autograph collection. Look at who you're going after. That's an obsessive level. I don't think it's obsessive when you're 17 years old and you pretend to be a flower delivery boy and you knock on the door of Lucille Ball's house, hoping to meet Lucille Ball with a bouquet of flowers. I don't think that's obsessive. That's like, people will get arrested for doing things like that. You know that I was talking about myself. Yeah, you've mentioned this story to me. I don't think it's obsessive when there is a retirement home for senior citizens who were in the movie business in California, and you sneak in and spend four hours there meeting all these famous people before you're escorted out by security. I don't think that's obsessive. What did security say when they escorted you out? They said, excuse me, who are you here to see? And I said, I'm here to see everybody. And they said, get out. That's what people get arrested. Sneaking into places. But that's not being obsessive. Obsessive to me is standing on the lawn of somebody's house all night. 
Whereas for you, if it's for 30 minutes, you're okay with it. I think my fandom is about uh, my love of celebrities. It's about collecting autographs. And there's nothing wrong with a little hobby. On that note. On that note. I think we should talk about our guest. Okay, this is exciting. Yeah. When I say this is exciting, that is kind of like a hint to say, get excited. Yeah, I'll get excited. I'm excited. I don't believe you. Nothing's more believable than me saying I'm excited. No, I don't believe you. I'm excited. Anyways, do you know how much, how well do you know Carol Burnett? I think with Carol Burnett, I I don't know her stuff intimately. I know obviously, like I know her in the world that in of television and pop culture. Like I know that she's she's a huge huge name. People will consider Carol Burnett to be the queen of comedy, mm-hmm. really queen of sketch comedy. Like she's prob- she's a legend as a comedian, and it was really her variety show, the Carol Burnett Show that really became this huge, huge television event for 11 years. From Television City in Hollywood, it's the Carol Burnett Show. This is why the Carol Burnett Show is is so historical, Ben. Number one, it was the first time that you had a female hosting a variety show. Mm. When you look at variety shows on television of the past, like the Gary Moore Show or the Steve Allen Show or, you know, Milton Berle, they was all hosted by male comedians. Yeah. So this is the first time a female was at the helm of a variety show. Okay. She had a very rubber face to her and she had this lanky body to her and she was a great comedian. Okay. And she was around for about 12 years in television before she was given this variety show. Yeah. And what what ended up happening is that when the show first started to air on Monday nights, it became a family event. You watch the Carol Burnett show Monday nights with your family. It was switched to Saturday nights. You still watched it with your family. You get to, she started to introduce different characters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of her show really were, were, Her love of movies and her love of television. She would do a parody of a soap opera called, rather than As the World Turns, it was called As the Stomach Turns. Mm -hmm. She would do parodies of uh, Tarzan. She would do parodies of Gone with the Wind. So it wasn't just like absurdist humor. It was, there was a satire and parody. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then she created these characters that just people love to watch and recurred. Okay, I feel like that gives me a, a history. Like, that gives me a good lesson of what we're diving into. Have you seen any Carol Burnett sketches? I've been watching some. I've been watching some Carol Burnett to lead up to this interview to make sure I at least have some knowledge of what we're getting into here. I think it's sad that you actually had to look up Carol Burnett and do research to find out who she is, really. I mean, I also, I know of her. Like, I, I reckon, like, it's not like when you say the name, I'm not, I'm like, oh, who is this person? If you were on the street and she walked by, would you know who it was? Yeah. Would you go up to her? Probably not, because I don't think I'm, I'm your level of, of stalker fandom. I would go up to her. Yeah. That, is, that's you. I would go up to her and, and I would probably talk to her for a bit and then I would follow her home. A bottle of wine. A jug of wine. <laughs> Jugs are nice too. <laughs> And you know why Carol Burnett and I will get along so well? Why is that? Because she's also a fan. She used to do, at the end of every one of her shows, have an autograph book. Do you think that her autograph collection is bigger than yours, or is yours bigger than hers? I think mine is bigger than hers. But the fact of the matter is, she was always a fan. She was a fan of Lucille Ball, who became her mentor, okay? So she was a fan of Lucy's, became her mentor. Just like I was a fan of Lucy's. So the thing is, if I'm a fan of Carol's, maybe she will be my mentor. Or my best friend. 
Well, let's uh, talk to her first and see how that goes. Okay. So, do you want to introduce her? Yeah, without further ado, let's start talking to Carol Burnett. <laughs> Hello. Hello, it's Carol. It's, Hi. Okay, so first of all, Carol Burnett, can I call you Carol, Miss Burnett, legend of comedy? What should I say, Carol? <laughs> call me Carol, please. So we are. We want to chat with you today, Carol, because... Yes? I, my son, I've been such a fan of yours. We're talking about two different generations of pop culture. <laughs> I have been such a fan of yours for years, but my son really... He doesn't have the appreciation that I had. <laughs> That's understandable. <laughs> I, I mean, not not to totally put me me down because I I know who you are. I know you're a legend. I I know the name Carol Burnett, but I definitely don't have the same appreciation that my dad has. I understand that. I mean, you d- you didn't grow up with our show. I think it's a shame that he didn't really grow up with variety shows, Carol. Right. That's true too. Because gosh, at one point. When we were doing our show, there was something like eight or nine variety shows on at the time. There was a, uh, in Television City where we taped. There was Sonny and Cher, the Smothers Brothers, Glenn Campbell, Jim Neighbors, and then over at NBC there was Laughing and Perry Como and oh my gosh, uh, I'll Flip Wilson. It just it was just absolutely wonderful. It was great. And there were times when our show, like the writers would be on our show and we would do long sketches, sometimes as long as 15 minutes, you know, long stuff. And then laughing would do quick jokes, you know. And then there were times when the writers would switch and some of our writers would go over and write for laughing and some of the laughing writers wanted to come to our show <laughs> so they could write longer stuff. It was just a... I don't know. It was one great big college dorm, you know, <laughs> such fun. <laughs> and was there also a lot of beer in that college dorm, Carol? <laughs> <laughs> well, not on our show. We were pretty, pretty straight laced, I must say. And we were very organized. We would take uh, like an hour and 15 minute uh, show and be out of there in two hours. Wow. You know, so that our studio audience was really looking at what they would be seeing as a, a Broadway show. It was a little over two hours, and everybody went home happy, and we went out to dinner. It was like watching a play. Yeah, we'd be leaving the studio, and the red light on all of the other studios would still be going, and some of them <laughs> would be taping till 1 or 2 in the morning. You know, wow. We just kind of plowed ahead. I never wanted to keep our audience waiting, because that was my Broadway training. And, yeah. uh, you know, you just don't want to nitpick. And Recently, you know, within the past two, three, four years, I've done guest shots on some sitcoms. Yes. That Mm -hmm. are 21 minutes of show. They take five hours to tape. Why is that? Why is that, Carol? They're making a movie. (laughs) (laughs) They they, They keep nitpicking. In fact, with the audience there, I was doing sitcoms, and the writers would come. We'd do a scene, and it went well. Then the writers would come up and give us new lines to do yes. mm-hmm. in front of the audience. Huh. You know, but sitting there and they just keep nitpicking it on and on and on till you just plumb tuckered out. You're yes. tired. Yeah. There's no excitement anymore, you know. And uh, I just felt sorry for the audience. Sometimes one of them sent out for pizza. That's crazy. For the audience. That's <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> to keep them happy. You know? It's just 
crazy. That's that's insane. That's insane. It's like, what's the return on investment on time, right, Carol? Hello. Yeah. 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 Um, why, yeah. when I watched the Carol Burnett show it was always with my family, Carol, with my parents, my sister, uh-huh. uh, w- that to me was family viewing. What's, what's happened with that, Carol? Well, unfortunately, I think there's just too many televisions in the household. You know, everybody's got their own television set and their own schedule and you can, uh, TiVo stuff before all of that happened. It was appointment television. Mm-hmm. You know, when we had our Saturday night lineup, which was incredible, it was all in the family, MASH, Mary Tyler Moore, Bob Newhart, and us. Wow. And people would stay home on Saturday night because they couldn't tape it. Huh. Yeah. You know, so once it was on, they missed it, you know. And so that's why all of us, you know, we would have maybe 30 million viewers. Yes. For each show, you know, because you couldn't put it aside and, and watch it later. It was an exciting time. Ben, tell the legendary Carol Burnett, we did a documentary, you and I. And yeah. what was the documentary about? She's going to appreciate this. Uh, the documentary was all about that fragmentation, all about why why television has changed from that sit-down appointment viewing where with we're family to right. we're all watching at different times and there's so many shows and, and the networks, you know, it's we're now in this cable era and, and there's just so much yeah. happening and wh- whether or not that's good for the family or whether or not that's bad for the family. Well, I don't think it's good for the family. You know, there's something about gathering in front of the television set with your loved ones and you're all just laughing and being together and, uh, you know, there's a togetherness. And it's like being in an audience at a good movie, you know, mm-hmm. even though you might not know the people next to you laughing, but there's kind of a camaraderie even with strangers. Yeah. And, but it's especially wonderful with your family. You know, I still get fan mail from people who said they grew up with it. And that was the one time that they would all get together and that it meant so much to them, you know, and, um, and I'm getting fan mail now from 10 year olds. Wow. And mm-hmm. teenagers. Wow. Who have my videos and who have also my DVDs and who also watch our show on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We've got tons of sketches on YouTube. And some kids are writing me and say, when I get home from school, you know, <laughs> I watch your show on YouTube. That's amazing. Yeah, and, and so they're they're discovering all of us. And uh, it's, it makes me feel very, very good that our mm-hmm. whatever we did holds up. You mentioned earlier that um, at the time the Coburnette show one was there, there was like eight to ten other variety shows. What made your show so unique and so successful, do you feel, in retrospect, all these years later? Well, most of the shows then were successful, you know, and I think what helped us along was that we went for the laughs rather than talking about politics or what was going on, you know, in the world today or whatever. We were old-fashioned, really, you know, and I I just wanted to go for the laughs and and have fun. We Mm -hmm. got a little more serious at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we started to do the family yes, with uh, Eunice and Mama and, and all of that, that was kind of unusual for a variety show to have that kind of writing. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be very, um, very serious at times, you know, because it was this dysfunctional family. Who brings these trashy magazines into this now, house? Mama, anyway? Mama, some of them articles is authenticated. <laughs> 
people don't realize the layers that the family was. You would go for the laughs. Right. And then there was moments where it would just turn on a dime to a lot of pain. Right. And or being very poignant. Yeah. Well, there were no jokes. Yeah. In the family sketches. It was all character driven. And I just thought the writing was wonderful. But but what happened was we never thought we were going to do it more than once. And so when I read the first one that we got, I said, this is really terrific. And I automatically, when we were reading it for the first time with Harvey and Vicky and me, I went into this Southern Western accent yeah. mm-hmm. because I'm from Texas and my family was from Arkansas. And it just appealed to me for some reason that these people would have those accents. And Harvey and Vicky followed suit. So when we did it in the run-through on Wednesday, we got that on Monday, and so we would always do a run-through on Wednesday for the writers and the cameraman and the director and producer and all. And when we came out doing it Southern, the two writers who created this were horrified. <laughs> because they're from Chicago, and they hated their mothers, so this was what they were writing about. And they said, you can't do it that way. You're going to alienate the entire South. And this is what we meant. And, oh, they were really upset. But then we did it, and the reaction was stupendous. Then they were okay with it. And we wound up, I think, doing, over the course of our seasons, we did about 35 or 40 of them. Wow. Wow. You know, yeah. The people identified, you know, with a, a lot of, you know, their dysfunction, which is kind of sad, but it, it was true. I was actually wondering, Carol, in terms of representing family and also just like how television was such a structure in the family, do you think that wholesomeness has gone away in television since your show? Well, I think what I've seen, yeah, it's, um, they want to be, I don't know, edgy. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. But it's not fine if that's all they want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, where is the good old fashioned? Belly laugh. I mean, I dare anybody today to watch the dentist sketch with Tim and Harvey yes. mm-hmm. and not lose it. I mean, it is so brilliant. And that's over 40 years old. Yeah, see, in dental school and filling and pulling, I only got C's. That was just kind of an average grade. <laughs> I got A's in cleaning, though. You want me to clean it for you? <laughs> well, will it stop the pain? No, but it'll look great. Boy, I can polish it right off. You know, you're absolutely right. A good belly laugh is age is timeless. Yeah. It's ageless, isn't it? It's healing. <laughs> it's yes. very healing. Yes. Do you do you feel the variety show has now become more of a late night thing, like SNL or variety show sketches on late night talk shows? Is that where it, what it's now become? I, I think so. Yeah, and it's too bad, you know, because they've, they've kind of lost the feel. We did what what I would call is a musical comedy review every week. And it was really, you know, it was music, it was uh, comedy, we had guest stars, we had a rep company, you know, and that really doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Saturday Night Live has it, however, they are mostly doing politics now, you know, and some of it is just hysterically funny, there's no question about it. But I don't see too many shows anymore that were like Sid Caesar, right? like Jackie Gleason, like us, you know. A network would have to have faith in it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they do. Also, it would cost too much money. Yes. What we had it couldn't be done today because of the cost. You know, we had a 28-piece 
live orchestra. Oh, wow. For heaven's sakes. And 12 dancers and like 65 costumes a week that Bob Mackey designed. You know, it was, it just couldn't be done today. It's actually funny you mentioned Bob Mackey, Carol. Um, so I didn't really know this connection in my house because my dad collects a lot of things. Um, a lot of things, uh-huh. Carol. Too yeah. many things, Carol. Yeah, it's, it's an, <laughs> an abhorrent amount of things. But we actually have in our house uh, these Bob Mackey sketches of you as Mrs. Wiggins and, and Eunice and uh-huh. Went with the Wind. And are, are they signed that? Or? They're signed by Bob Mackey. Yeah, they're probably the real thing. Yeah, and they're framed. I actually sent him just the characters you played from Carol Burnett. I had them signed for me, and they're mounted and framed in our living room. And Ben didn't really oh get in. Oh, my gosh. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, I never really, I mean, I never really got what it was or, or the, the significance behind uh-huh. it. Or uh, the fandom, you know, like, yeah. I'm a huge fan of yours and the characters you've created, but he doesn't have the appreciation. And then when I told him we're going to be talking to you, he's like, so I explained to him what those prints are in our uh-huh. living room that have yeah. been there for years. Anyways, it's such a... Yeah. And then you brought up Bob Mackie and there it's like, you're validating me, Carol. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for that. Well, <laughs> also there were times when I didn't know how I was going to do a character until I saw what Bob Mackey was going to dress me. Now, like I told you, I have this really important meeting today with Mr. Phillips. Oh, yeah, he'll be here at noon. Oh, thank you for that the news flash. <laughs> we were going to do the first Mrs. Wiggins and Mr. Tudball sketch. Yeah. Tim wrote those sketches, and he had written Mrs. Wiggins to be this doddering old lady. No. And so I went to costume fitting and that Wednesday, and Bob said, you know, we've been doing a lot of old ladies lately. Let's make her into this blonde bimbo with you know, <laughs> <laughs> blonde hair and the push-up bra and the yeah. tight skirt and all of that. And uh, I thought, okay. that. And once he put me in that, I thought, that's who she is, you know. Yes. And at one point, the skirt that he put me in was this old black wool short skirt that he'd had for a while. And it bagged in the behind. Yes. And I said, Bob, it's too baggy back there. You're going to have to take that in. And he said, no, no, stick your behind into it. <laughs> and and I did. And that gave me her walk. Her walk. Yes. So I just stuck my behind into that skirt. And then that made me have this funny walk with the stiletto heels. <laughs> and it, it just made the whole character. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I want to ask you a question, Carol, and I hope I'm the first person in your amazing career to ask you this one question. Okay, so first of all, I'm a huge uh, pop culture fan. I'm a huge fan of yours and, and celebrities in general. I have a huge autograph collection. I want to ask you about your big red autograph book that you use at the <laughs> end of every show. Okay. What do you want to know? I want to know everything about it. I want to <laughs> Well, Where did it, how did it uh, come when up? I was growing up in Hollywood with my grandmother, and we would go down to Hollywood Boulevard 
when there would be a big movie premiere and all the movie stars would be driving up and going into the theater. And my grandmother and I would hang over the ropes and I had a little autograph book. And I would try to get some of the movie stars' yes. attention that were going into the theater to sign my book. And so that was something that just, you know, I thought about when we were going to do my show. We were going to say goodnight to everybody, and I was going to sing the goodnight song. Yes. Well, why not have them sign their names so that I would have that as a keepsake? And so that's how it started. I want to ask you, like, because as somebody who also collects autographs and love meeting celebrity and having them sign something for me, what does that tell us about ourselves, Carol? Like, what makes us fans? Well, I, I guess I never grew up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when I am a fan of somebody's, I kind of revert to being nine years old again. Right. Or mm-hmm. 10 years old. You know, it, it just takes me back. It was such a thrill for me when we started the show. My grandmother and I used to save our pennies mm-hmm. and see as many as four to six movies a week Wow! Mm-hmm. on Hollywood Boulevard. Yep. So I grew up loving Betty Grable yes, and Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney and Rita Hayworth and you know, people like that and Bing Crosby and on and on and on. And so when I got my show, what a thrill when I had Betty Grable as a guest. Yes. I mean, it was just boggled the mind, I I have to say. Rita Hayworth as a guest. Mm -hmm. Even Gloria Swanson, of course, I didn't grow up with her because she was in the 20s, you know, she was a silent film star. And Bing Crosby, I mean, my God, my grandmother was in love with him. And to have him as a guest. So I don't think I ever outgrew my astonishment at being able to not only get their autograph, but to work with them. This is how I'm kind of feeling today, talking to you, Carol. (laughs) No, honest to God, honest to God, to be that kid, you know, to be 10, 11 years old watching your show, and here I am with my own son talking to you today, it's really a very surreal, lovely, grateful, super amazing moment, you. you know? Um, And I heard, Carol, I heard you even had an imaginary friend, like a Shirley Temple imaginary sister. Yes. (laughs) What was that all about, Carol? (laughs) Well, we lived in an apartment building a block north of Hollywood Boulevard. My grandmother and I, we had one room and a kitchen and a small bathroom. And she had a Murphy pull-down bed from the wall. Yep. And I slept on the couch. and. So there was a lot of neighborhood kids, and there was this one kid, his name was Asher, and he would sit in the lobby, and our door, our apartment was right off the lobby. Yeah. So you'd have to go through the lobby to get to our apartment. And he would sit in the lobby and on the couch and read comic books and stuff. And I don't know, I was bored this one day. So I got this idea, and I walked out into the lobby, and I said, Asher, I have a sister who's coming to visit me. I have to go to the store now, but if she comes in, would you tell her, you know, to go right there to that door? (laughs) And, you know, and he said, you have a sister? I said, "Uh uh-huh, she's my twin sister, but uh, she's been living in Canada all these years. (laughs) So he said, oh, wow, gosh, he he was kind of dumb. And and so I went out the front door. I ran around to the back of the building and climbed into our window. 
which I had left open, changed my clothes, got an old suitcase, went out the window, ran around to the front of the thing, and walked into the lobby with a suitcase. And I said, oh, hello there. I said, do you know uh, Carol Burnett? He said, oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, oh, well, I'm, I'm her sister. Where, where is their uh, apartment? He says, right there. You know, it was that door. So, thank you very much. <laughs> I went into the door, and then I changed back into Carol again, jumped out of the window, came back into the front lobby as Carol. And he said, your sister just got here. She said, oh, good. So I ran into the room, closed the door, and I'm having a conversation with myself. <laughs> Saying, oh, it's so good to see you. Oh, how was your trip? Wonderful. <laughs> Well, I, I kept this up oh, for a couple of days, and then I got tired <laughs> so good. of climbing in and out of the window and running around the building. <laughs> I, I think what's really cool about that is just like just hearing how young you were when you just started making a character. Yeah, I know. And how that was such a big part of your career, all these characters. But, uh, you know, I never thought I was going to be a performer at all. I, first, I was going to be a cartoonist and had my own comic strip in the newspaper. And then I decided I was going to be a journalist because I was editor of my junior high and high school paper. So I went to UCLA with the intent to major in journalism. But they did not have a major in journalism at UCLA. But I could take a course and join the school paper. But then I took a course in theater art, English, because it offered playwriting courses. Mm -hmm. But as a freshman, I had to take... Even though I wasn't interested, every freshman in the theater department had to take an acting course, a costume course, a scenery building course as freshmen. So I was forced into this acting class, and I was terrified. And um, But I got up and with this other student, and we had to do a scene, and I did a kind of a comedy scene because all of the other kids were doing these heavy dramatic things. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I can't do that. So uh, we picked something light to do, and they laughed. And I thought, this is a good feeling, you know. I had always been pretty much of a nerd in school. Mm-hmm. I was very quiet. I was a good student. Uh, not the most popular person in the world at all. I was just kind of subdued, except when I would be with my best friends or wanted to fool Asher, you know, but uh, <laughs> in school and everything, it wasn't in me. And then I tried out for a, a one-act yep. at UCLA, and I got a couple of parts, and all of a sudden I'm popular on campus. Interesting, huh? Mm-hmm. I felt, uh, it, it's funny, I, I, I think about this a lot. If there had been a major in journalism at UCLA, I wouldn't be talking to you today. What's it like to see yourself on the side of your high school now, Hollywood High, painted? Oh, <laughs> oh wow. It's, it's a thrill. It's a thrill. I was wondering, Carol, are there any uh, current TV shows or actors that you follow that you really admire? Uh, let's see. Well, all the usual suspects. You know, yes. I'm very interested in the female sketch performers. Yes. Because in my day, there weren't that many. There was Imogene Coca. Yep. Mm-hmm. And me, Lucy was always Lucy, you know, but now, oh gosh, it's great. There's Tina Fey and 
and Amy Poehler and Kristen Wiig and Kate McKinnon and Maya Rudolph. And they're all, it's just wonderful to see that. I find Kristen Wiig very much like Carol Burnett. Oh, (laughs) thank you. No, I find that because the way she can encompass a character, I find that very similar to how you, you do it. Well, I'm very flattered because I think she's just incredible. My son and I have a talk whether I'm a fan or a stalker. And I want to have your take because I'm also a big Lucille Ball fan too. And I want to know, Carol, you have to tell me completely honestly, okay? Sure. When I was 17 years old, I dressed up as a flower delivery man. And I went to Lucille Ball's home on Roxbury Drive to deliver flowers. Oh my God, you did? Yeah, to hopefully get in and see her. And... Then Gary answered the door and he took my flowers, but he wouldn't let. And then I said, well, I'm not really a flower delivery boy. I'm here from Canada to see Lucille Ball. And that was the end of that conversation. (laughs) Do you blame him? (laughs) Is that being too much of a stalker? (laughs) That would scare me too, you know. (laughs) So I shouldn't show up at your house. You you had every good intention, but, you know, to show up like that, who knows, you know, so... (laughs) I remember when little Lucy yes. married her first husband. Yeah. I went to the wedding. A bunch of us went to the wedding and everything. And well, as you know, there were no gates. Right. Or fences or anything around. It was wide open. You know, right. she had a exactly. front lawn and you could just go right up to the door. I don't think it was paparazzi that much then, but there were a lot of fans and people who want to take pictures and all of that went on to the front lawn and Lucy turned on the sprinklers. <laughs> <laughs> Hysterical. You were a fan of hers and she became a mentor to you, did she not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty amazing. Right. Yeah. Amazing. I was just wondering, like, what is that feeling like when you can actually meet your idol and then not only meet them, it's like they're actually your mentor afterwards? She was so loving. And in fact, I remember the day I first met her, it was May 12th, 1959, because Mattress, once when a mattress opened, on May 11th, 1959, and I was in it, and we got great reviews. Right. And she came to see the show the second night. Uh-huh. And I was so nervous when I heard she was in the audience. I was more nervous knowing she was there than I was the night before with all the critics. <laughs> and so she came backstage afterwards and visited me in my funky little off-Broadway dressing room <laughs> and called me kid because she was 22 years older than I yes, mm-hmm. and um, she was very supportive and encouraging and on. And then she got up to leave and said, "Kid, if you ever need me for anything, call me." Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was just amazed. And so five years later, I was doing pretty well mm-hmm. on television. I hadn't done the Gary Moore show yet, but I had an offer to do a special for CBS if I could get a major guest star. Wow. Uh-huh. So the producer said, you've got to call Lucy. And I said, I don't want to bother her. You know, my God. And he said, well, mm-hmm. all she can do is say no, you know, and just, just try. So I called her office and got to her right away. She said, kid, you're doing great. What's, what's up? What's happening? And I kind of blubbered, you know, and I said, oh, but I know you're busy. I couldn't <laughs> get the words out. I said, I know you're busy, but she said, she said what is it? I said, well, I'm doing this special. And I couldn't even finish the sentence when she said, okay, when do you need me? Wow. Huh. Mm-hmm. And that was it. 
So we did the special, and then when she had her other Lucy shows, not I Love Lucy, but the later in- the Lucy show. incarnations of that, mm-hmm. yep. I was on her show. She had me come on. And then when I got my show, she came on my show. So we did trade-offs right. mm-hmm. a lot. And she gave me a baby shower for my second daughter. <laughs> it was the funniest baby shower ever. It was in the evening yeah. at her house. Black tie affair with men and women. For a baby shower. For a baby shower? A baby shower, yeah. <laughs> but okay. the, she invited men and yeah. women to dress up, you know, black tie. And Gary Morton opened the baby gifts and did like what Don Rickles would do. Oh, insult them. On all the baby gifts. <laughs> it was one of the funniest evenings ever. And so when it was over, a lot of the men were saying, Geez, we didn't know baby showers could be this much fun. (laughs) (laughs) And she also always sent me flowers on my birthday. Wow. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday, kid, you know. And so this one morning I woke up, it was my birthday, and I turned on the television, and she had died on my birthday. Wow. And that afternoon I got the flowers. Huh. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I did not know that story, no, know that Carol. Either. Yeah. But what a bit! What a bittersweet end for you. It was. It was. I still have the card. Wow. That's, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, ben, you wanted to ask something to uh, Carol about the theme song. Oh yeah, I actually wanted to talk to you about your theme song, and I just was wondering where it originated from. Well, my husband, who was a producer of the Gary Moore Show, had been a special material writer for Dinah Shore Mm -hmm. when she had a show. So he wrote the song. Oh. So that was it. (laughs) You know, we were doing Gary's show. Gary used to sing a good night theme, and it was very nice. So Joe, my husband, when we were going to do the show, he said, I think uh, you should have a theme. And I said, great. I said, why don't you write it? He said, okay. So he sat down and wrote it. So that became our theme. I don't know how to word this. You're such a legend in comedy, and you mean, and I'm sure you've heard this from so many people that you've really changed their life and you've added joy to it. You've made them laugh. You've created such nice memories in pop culture, in television. How does that make you feel? Does that still make you feel special? Do you, are you humbled by it? I'm, I'm curious. Well, I feel fortunate. That's what I feel. I feel very fortunate and very grateful mm-hmm. to have been doing what I love doing. You know, there's people who get up and go to work and hate what they're doing, but they have to do it. Right. I just am absolutely grateful that that never happened in my life. Mm -hmm. And Carol, I have one last thing for you. Uh And I want to ask this, if you're able to do something for my dad, since he is a fan and, you know, worst you can do is say no, but I want to ask. Because my dad's such a huge fan, and I know how much this will mean to him, I'm wondering if you would do him a treat and sing the closing theme of your show. Well, no. I've, <laughs> I've no. got a frog in my throat, but I'm so glad we had this time together. Just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it, comes There's a time, time we have, we have to, to say, say so long. So long. Oh, I'm actually crying. <laughs> Sorry, I've got this frog in my throat. No, I'm actually tearing up. You don't no. even want to know, Carol. <laughs> oh, that was such you. the best thing in the world. I, Carol, on behalf of Ben and I and, 
And just looking at different generations. Hold on, I just need to compose myself. Hold on. Yeah, he's a bit of a mess beside me. <laughs> I'm a mess. Hold on. Ben, you you thank, thank Carol first. You can thank, thank Carol. you. No, no, just thank just, Carol first. You thank Carol first, and I'll say we all go together. We can say we can thank together. Okay, you can com- you're getting composed. Okay, Carol. So what what can I say? You've made my day to be on a podcast with my son, chatting with you. That's just. Oh, freaking awesome. Well, it was lovely meeting both of you. Likewise. Thank you, Carol. This was an absolute, absolute pleasure. And thank you for making us smile, making the world smile, and just being just a special, special lady. I appreciate it. And you guys stay well and stay safe. You too. too. Stay safe. Be kind. Okay, darling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So you happy? Oh, my God. You don't understand. That was the best thing ever. To have Carol Burnett sing the theme song to you, that's the best. Ben, yeah. you're a good son. That I, was I'm nice. Trying. Of, that was nice of you to say. You made your dad cry, so that's okay. Yeah, it, it was a good cry, though. It wasn't like an angry no, cry. No, it was great. It was a yeah. great friend. Uh, you know, we, we spoke to Carol Burnett. Hello. Yeah, yeah hello. That yeah. was pretty cool. What did you think? What did you think? I, I mean, aside from the fact that she's a very, just a sweet, a, a sweet woman, just a I, I think what's really nice about her is that she is just a fan from the very beginning to yeah. where she is today. I, I think, you know, even even saying that she was, you were just like, oh, Kristen Wiig is is very much channeling you, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't like where she she was feeling grateful that you would even put Kristen Wiig in the same class as her. Right. Right. And so I think it was was really nice to know that she's been a fan since day one, and she still is a fan. I thought what was interesting what she said too about. Whenever it was her being nine or 10 years old again mm-hmm. with, with celebrities who came yeah. on her show. And that to me, when I look around my basement here and all of the mm-hmm. fandom I have, it's also about my childhood, about taking those warm, fuzzy moments of your life as a child and being able to hold on to those forever, whether it be through an autograph or a photo or a memory. You know what I mean? It's funny how it's like, you didn't need all the years of therapy to figure that out. Could have had 30 minutes with Carol Burnett and you're like, all right, I'm diagnosed. I know what's going on. Thanks, Carol. And you know what? Here's what I'm also thinking. Carol Burnett, we both love Lucille Ball. Mm -hmm. We both have an autograph collection. We were both sort of awkward kids until we started being funny. Mm -hmm. And I think we could be best friends. And I think I'm going to just trek out to find out where she lives and knock on her door See, and this is bring, where deliver it's, her it's, flowers. It's, it's crossing into the stalker line again. I think... No, but she would appreciate it. I, I, The vibe I was She getting, said if someone showed up to my house with flowers, I think I would close the door and send them home too. I didn't hear that. I heard I heard that there was a connection going on there. I'm... Uh, ben, I, I'll let you she think told, that. She actually said to me at the end, I'm so glad we had this time together. She said it to me, so that means, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up at her house. Okay, maybe keep going to therapy. Okay. Okay, I will. I will. Kidding aside, I think it was pretty cool that you and I mm-hmm. sat here together and talked to a legend yeah. of comedy. It was a lovely, lovely conversation. Can you say lovely one more time? It was a lovely, lovely, lovely conversation. Okay, I'm so glad we had this time together. Me too. What will this father and son duo get up to next time? Dad, you can drop the act. Yeah.